We officially have chaos in the Big 12 Conference. Welcome in. I'm Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports. We cover the Big 12, of course, and Heartland College Sports is where you find us each and every day. My goodness, these are wild times, and um, we appreciate you being a part of the show. There is so much to get to the games, the tiebreaker scenarios. It's all part of the show today as we react to Week 11 in the Big 12 Conference. By the way, hit that thumbs up button on YouTube. Subscribe to us, of course, on the channel as well or on the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So let's start off with the games and then we'll get to the tiebreakers and all that kind of craziness, all right? I want to get to a lot of these different things today on the show and I'll do it as quickly as I can and keep this baby moving as best I can. So for the games themselves, we'll start with the game that changes the entire outlook of the next two weeks in the conference. And that is Oklahoma State getting blasted by UCF 45-3 to in a game that had a monsoon take place in the middle of it. Now, Oklahoma State was clearly hungover from the Bedlam win. That was very obvious. The sideline reporter noted it, that Mike Gundy felt around Tuesday that his team was just not locked in this week. But I'll tell you what, I didn't think Gundy gave him much of a chance here in this game. And he showed very early on he wasn't believing in this team on Saturday. I think they were down 17-0, give or take. And um, second quarter, maybe, they had a fourth and one, fourth and two from midfield. And they punted it. And that was Mike Gundy punting on the game. He had given up. That is a moment when you've got Ollie Gordon in the backfield. You're going up against the worst run defense in the entire Big 12. You're in position to get to a Big 12 championship game. You control your own destiny. You're down 17 zip on the road. You get the best running back in the league. And on a fourth and short at midfield, down three scores, you punt it. That was punting the game from Mike Gundy. That was all I needed to see to say this game's not going as planned. And uh, from there, of course, UCF was off to the races. Hey, credit to UCF. Uh, you know, they played the game of their lives, right? Uh, you get a great win against a top 15 opponent. You have two straight Big 12 wins after starting off 0-5. R.J. Harvey was outstanding on the ground, 206 rushing yards, three, three scores as well. So there was a lot to like. Kobe Hudson, Javon Baker, a lot of guys played very well for UCF. We knew this team had talent. It just had to come together. And it did that on Saturday in a big way against Oklahoma State. But Oklahoma State did not show up. And now they do not control their own destiny to get to a Big 12 championship game. It is going to be a wild two weeks in this conference. So, uh, unfortunately, depending on how you wanted this to go, if you're a Cowboys fan, you now need some help. All you had to do was beat three of the newcomers who have had bad seasons, top to bottom. UCF, Houston, BYU. And you lost to UCF by 42 points. I'm not taking anything away from you, UCF, but let's be honest. That is a terrible loss for the Cowboys. Coming off that bedlam win. And for those of you that do want to rub it in, and by the way, I don't run away from my picks. My Oklahoma State minus two and a half was my lock of the week. I blew it. My picks went 0-3 this week. Bad week. So I'm now 15-11-1 on the season. Still well above 500, 
but an 0-3 week is ugly. I also lost Oklahoma, or I had West Virginia plus the 12.5. That was my underdog. And my bad bet was Texas Tech plus 3.5 against Kansas. Now, of course, Kansas lost its starting quarterback in the game, but either way, no excuses. I went 0-3. And here's what I realized. You know, I'm on this roll. I'm sitting at 15-8-1 going into the game, going into this past week. And I got too emotional in my picks. The big money was on UCF. I didn't understand it. But I was th- I was using my heart, not my head. And the minute in sports betting you use your heart instead of your head is the minute you're going to find yourself in trouble. And that's what happened to me. You know, OU always blows out West Virginia in Norman. Oklahoma has beaten West Virginia in Norman since they joined the Big 12 by an average of over 20 points per game. I overlooked that. I overlooked the fact that Oklahoma State, since 1995, hasn't won the game following Bedlam in the times they've won Bedlam. Since 1995, when Oklahoma State has won Bedlam, they've lost the next week, unless, of course, the Bedlam game was at the end of the season and they won that game, which it oftentimes was. But there's like now five times since 95 OSU has won Bedlam and then lost the next week in the same season. There was a huge hangover there, and I didn't want to believe it because it would have been easy for the Big 12 to figure out what's going to happen here the next couple of weeks if Oklahoma State had won that game. And I also thought, as I noted, the Mountaineers could hang in there on the ground, control the pace of the game, and a part of me thought that OU was going to mail it in the rest of the season. But to Brent Venable's credit, they didn't. And they smoked West Virginia. And I'll talk about that game now. 59-20, to 20, the Sooners win. If there was any doubt whether or not this OU team was going to give up and just mail it in, can't make the college football playoff, it's all over, that's obviously not the case. They came out, they wanted this game, they fought in this game, literally and figuratively speaking, there was some fighting in this game. Um, Dylan Gabriel looked like the guy that you know he was when he was competing for a Heisman Trophy a month ago. Five touchdown passes, 423 yards, 23 of 36. I, there was so much to like from OU. In fact, this is the OU team on both sides of the ball that we thought they were going to be about a month ago. And if you're an OU fan, this kind of game and this kind of performance is what has really got to frustrate you about the last two weeks against Kansas and Oklahoma State because they don't lose those two games if this team shows up. The defense, eight tackles for loss. You know, you hold West Virginia, relatively speaking, pretty well on the ground, under four and a half yards per carry. This is the team that we thought Oklahoma had about a month ago. And then they got sloppy, they didn't play very good football, and um, they lost the last two games, of course. Now, if you're West Virginia, here's the thing for West Virginia. You know, Neil Brown's going to a bowl game. He's 6-4. and four. He can probably win these last two games, Cincinnati and Baylor. Neil Brown is going to be 8-4. and four. But the problem for Neil Brown and West Virginia is this. You beat the teams you were supposed to beat, right? But then you didn't beat anybody that you were not expected to beat. Like, you didn't really win in any of these games as some kind of underdog. And that's because West Virginia's kind of in this malaise. I don't know how you fire Neil Brown after he goes 8-4 and four when he was picked to finish at the bottom of the Big 12. But that being said, 
do I have any reason to believe that this is a step towards Big 12 competition, top of the Big 12 competition for the Mountaineers? I don't. Like, we saw what Garrett Green was. Garrett Green is not going to beat you down the field. He's inaccurate. If he can't control the run game and you can't get that thing going right out of the gates, it's a mediocre football team. That's what it is. I mean, how many times we're watching them down at the one-yard line on fourth and one, they can't punch it in. And there was not a lot of creativity down there, by the way. I'll add that as well. So this is where it's a tough spot. Now, I'm seeing some of the West Virginia faithful rumbling about Jimbo Fisher since he got fired by A&M on Sunday. I don't see how Jimbo Fisher, who's going to be making $80 million to not coach from Texas A&M, is going to go to Morgantown. Now, you'd be dumb if you're West Virginia not to place the call, right? You call him, I guess. You make him say no. But, I mean, that is pie-in-the-sky type stuff if you're West Virginia. I know you want to think and um, hope for this homecoming and, you know, the grand man comes home and the whole deal, but come on. Let's be realistic here. Jimbo Fisher has now made well over $100 million coaching college football. He's going to get 80 mil to sit home. I want him to love West Virginia like you love West Virginia, but we got to be serious with ourselves. There's a 0.0001% chance that that happens. So let's not hang our hat on that. That being said, if Neil Brown goes 8-4, and four, I know a lot of fans are going to say, I still don't think he's the guy. And I understand that. But I don't know how you get rid of a guy that goes 8-4 and four, uh, when the projections were for more like 4-8. and eight. So <laughs> we'll deal with that as the time comes. But I understand why Mountaineers fans are, um, are, are, are still questioning the future of this program under Neil Brown. I get it. All right, let's go to some of the other games here around the league. Um, Let's go to Texas Tech and Kansas. Red Raiders get a 16-13 win against the Jayhawks. Of course, Patrick Mahomes was at the game, if you didn't see that. Pretty cool stuff there. Jason Bean goes down early in the game, first half. He goes down. And then what happens? Well, Kansas has to turn the third-string quarterback, Cole Ballard. Now, I've already seen the comments from some of you Texas Tech fans, all right? I saw it from you, Matthew, some of the folks commenting on this before we even started this show. Matthew writes, I already know you're about to blame the Kansas loss on them losing Jason Bean, even though they moved the ball way better when he was out. I will. I, well, they moved the ball better late. It took Ballard a while. I mean, their final three drives, of course, Kansas put points on the board, but you're down near the goal line and you got a third string quarterback and that's where having a guy like Jason Bean makes a difference. I'm not going to blame the loss on not having Jason Bean, but it clearly made a difference in this game. That's not taken away from Texas Tech, who played a really good football game. The defense showed up in a way it really hadn't shown up all season long. Baron Morton played a clean game for the most part. He did have that one interception. And how about Taj Brooks? 33 carries for 130-some-odd yards. It makes you wonder how this season might have gone differently. Has Taj Brooks gotten that kind of a workload throughout the season? 
You know, I mean, you got one of the best backs in the Big 12. And you're sitting there and you're going through the early part of the season and the guy should have been getting 30 carries per game. Now he has the last three weeks. And by the way, Texas Tech has won its last two games with Taj Brooks getting a combined 64 carries. They didn't do it early in the season when they should have. Taj Brooks in the first two games of the season, Wyoming and Oregon got a combined 18 carries. I don't get how that happens. I don't understand that from Zach Kitley. I will never understand that from Zach Kitley. I don't get it. But um, either way, they're finally starting to find their mojo. Listen, for Texas Tech, they got to win one of their next two games to be bowl eligible. That matters. But we all know Black Friday is what it's all about. Texas Tech and Texas. Texas Tech will have a chance to end potentially Texas's goal of maybe going to a college football playoff, going to a Big 12 championship game. Who knows what's going to be at stake come Friday, Black Friday. I don't know. You don't know. All I know is that's the game that matters. Yes, you got to play UCF, and UCF is playing much better football, and Texas Tech might get caught looking ahead. I don't know. We'll see. But man, oh man, oh man, that's the game that we're all looking at. And Texas Tech can beat Texas. I believe that. This team, the way it's playing, with Baron Morton healthy, Taj Brooks getting the rock, the defense stepping up, they can beat Texas. Tech did a good job getting in the backfield yesterday as well. They had three sacks, six tackles for loss. They played good football. So now it's not going to be, you know, they're not going to be favored or anything like that. But if they play the right game, they can win this one in a couple of weeks. Now for Kansas, it's a tough loss because you don't know what Bean's status is going to be. Now you're on a third string quarterback. You're going into the Sunflower Showdown. Kansas was trying to win a third straight conference game for the first time since 2007. Can you believe that? They couldn't get it done. And Lance Leipold had some good commentary after the game. He's like, we can't just go from A to D. We have to, as a program, go from A to B to C to D. And he's exactly right. And he said, sometimes you inherently, human nature wants to skip skip steps, and you just can't do it. And uh, Kansas is not the kind of team that can just skip steps. Now, that being said, I question some of the play calling at the end of the game, especially down by the goal line. Like, you get down to the goal line, they kick those two field goals to tie the game. Of course, then Texas Tech goes down the field in the final minute to win the game. But the goal line offense was very weird. First off, you have uh, a first and goal from the eight when you're down 13, let's see, at this point it was a 13-7 game. You're down uh, 13-7, four minutes left, first and goal at the eight. You go Daniel Highshaw run, Devin Neal run, and then on third and goal you do a Cole Ballard pass, then you kick the field goal. Okay, fine. Might have kept the run game going, but whatever. Then, next drive down, you get also down to the goal line. You got a first and goal at the 10. You have a Devin Neal run for three yards, a Cole Ballard run for four yards. Then on third down, you do a Devin Neal pass, knowing that if you miss it, you got to kick a field goal to tie the game. So that, I, I didn't quite understand that. One, by the way, in hindsight, they should have gone for it when they were down there and they were uh, down 13 to seven 
was that the place to go for it? But your defense was playing well. So I'm not going to totally second guess that. But if you want to look at something, that's what you would look at if you're a Kansas fan. Some of the goal line offense may be a little questionable. But either way, you got a third string quarterback in there. You got to do what you got to do, right? So uh, Kansas comes up short. They are effectively out of the Big 12 title race. Now, next game we want to talk about here. Let's talk about TCU and Texas. Texas holds on 29-26. to But here you have it, three games. Three games now in the last month where Texas has a massive lead of at least 20 points and almost blows it. Go back to October 21st. Texas led Houston 21-0. They hang on for a 24-21 win. Last week versus Kansas State, they're up 27-7 in the second half. The game goes to overtime. They hang on 33-30. They're up in this game 26-6, and they have to sweat it out 29-26 over TCU. That's the thing. I mean, Texas is 9-1. It's their best record, best start since 2009. But they have their toughest three-game slate coming up if they get to a Big 12 championship game. Going to Iowa State. Then you got to take on Texas Tech that's going to have this thing as its Super Bowl. And then if you get to Arlington, you got a Big 12 title game. Texas has to win out to reach a college football playoff, right? You can't have two losses in the Big 12 and reach a college football playoff. They've got to win out. And the fact that they just take their foot off the pedal, the fact that they lackadaisically go through these games after they're up 20 points and they allow teams of inferior competition back in, that's a problem. And at some point, that can come back to bite them, and it just might happen at some point over the next couple of weeks. We'll, fi- we'll see. We'll find out. Now, of course, we're waiting to hear about Jonathan Brooks, the running back for Texas. Uh, I saw some rumblings on social media that it could be an ACL, which obviously would mean the end of his season. That would be a big blow for the Longhorns in this game if Jonathan Brooks does go out. Um, and is done for the year. That would be a big loss. But Quinn Ewers was back after missing a couple of weeks. I, you know, he was good. He threw for over 300 yards, 22 or 33. You'll take it. But it clearly felt, especially on defense, like this team took its foot off the pedal. They were clearly the better team. It wasn't even close when you talk about the level of talent on the field between both of these teams. But the fact that TCU put 20 points on the board in the fourth quarter, tells you all you need to know. It's not as much about TCU, but more so about Texas. And that's the thing. If you're a Texas fan these next couple of weeks, you got to be a bit worried about right now. But uh, all in all, I mean, now TCU's in a spot where they've lost two in a row, and they got to win their final two games to get to a bowl game. Baylor and Oklahoma, not going to be easy. Well, Oklahoma won't be easy. Baylor might, but that's a rivalry game. So for Sonny Dykes, I mean, some of the shine has worn off of Sonny Dykes. I'm not saying he's in trouble or anything like that. But if you're going to go from a national championship game to not even bowl eligibility in a topsy-turvy roller coaster Big 12, that is not going to be a good look. If this team finishes 5-7, and seven, that will be a major disappointment for Sonny Dykes this year. There's no doubt about it. Um, so we'll see how that plays out for both of those two teams, but it was a weird game. I'm not going to lie at like 26, six, wherever it was, I flipped over to BYU, Iowa state to watch the start of that game. I'm like, all right, Texas game is over. OU's blown out West Virginia. 
Um, Cincy and, and Houston was in the books. So I'm going to turn on Iowa State. Of course, that game got off to a hot start early too. And then I'm looking on social media and it's like, wait, TCU's down three? <laughs> TCU's down three. So I'm watching the final couple of minutes and Texas has a third down in their own territory. And, um, you know, they got to convert that first down to basically end the game. If not, TCU's going to have a chance. And what was it? Ewers down the left sideline to Mitchell on an underthrown pass. I mean, it was pretty, but dang, if you're a TCU fan, that burns you. That just really burns you. So that game, uh, 29-26, Texas wins that one. What have we not talked about yet? Uh, All right, let's go to Kansas State Baylor. Will Howard breaks the passing record for touchdowns at uh, Kansas State, so kudos to him. Now 45 in his career. He broke it at 45. Uh, He's clearly the quarterback. He's gotten his mojo back, and um, Kansas State's playing some darn good football right now. But And they're still in the Big 12 title race, very much so, I will add. But the story out of this game, which was a blowout, is the fact that Baylor just absolutely blows. This team is such hot garbage. They don't do anything well or anything right. And I I don't say that with any kind of joy. I like Dave Aranda. Dave Aranda won a Big 12 title two years ago. But you want to talk about a fall from grace. This team is 3-7. and seven. By the way, they're lucky to be 3-7. and seven. They had a you know, 20-some-odd point comeback against UCF to be 3-7. and seven. They're probably going to end the year at 3-9, and nine, barring some kind of miracle these next couple of weeks, TCU and uh, West Virginia. Now they might finish 4-8, and eight, but either way, you get the point. It is now a trajectory in the wrong direction for Dave Aranda for a second straight year. And it's not like you can really hang your hat on anything with this team. They don't do anything well. The offense is not potent. The defense, which is Dave Aranda's special, is no good. And they're not a very clean team either. They turned the ball over four times, lost three fumbles with an interception, 4 nothing on the turnover margin yesterday. I mean, you know, this game was over at the end of the first quarter. If you're a Baylor fan, the fan base is not showing up in Waco. That place is just dead as could be right now. And it's not that I think Aranda's going anywhere because, you know, all you've heard are positives and support messages from the powers that be at Baylor in Waco. But certainly, you know, this guy should be going in the next year with like, all right, what are you going to do for us here in a transfer portal world? This, well, I need four years to turn this thing around. No, that's not how it works, especially when you just won a Big 12 championship two years ago, right? You just won a Big 12 title a couple of years ago. And if you couldn't parlay that into better recruits and more success, then, you know, the problem is in the mirror. That's where the problem is, potentially at Baylor. So the story out of that game is Kansas State still in the mix. Will Howard broke records, had a great game. Kansas State was out of the gates early, never looked back, and um, Baylor has itself some major issues that need to be figured out. So we'll be watching uh, closely. Let's see. Baylor ran eight trick plays, still lost by four touchdowns. Would have been five without their garbage TD with 20 seconds left. Yep. Yep, that is all, all very true. So, uh, gosh, 
we'll have to watch and see how it all plays out. The other games uh, we got to touch on here. What have we not talked about? All right, the two other games. Uh, let's first touch on Iowa State, BYU. Iowa State jumps out to that early lead. They win 45-13 to in Provo. Boy, uh, Kalani Sataki was saying a lot of smack. Embarrassing, awful. I mean, it's about time he said that because his teams have been awful the last three weeks. I mean, BYU has not looked like a legitimate Power 5 team. Look at these last three games. Texas lost 35-6. West Virginia lost 37-7. Iowa State lost 45-13. That's losses of 29, 30, and 32 points the last three games in Big 12 play. That's embarrassing. And in this game, you know, right out of the gates, uh, they find themselves down 10-0, and it just felt like, here we go again, deja vu, all over again. I, You know, I don't know how this team ever beat Arkansas. Not that Arkansas is any good, but still, uh, you watch this team and you say to yourself, what are they doing well? Defense can't really stop anybody. They've given up, you know, 35-plus points a game every single week, and they can't get the offense going. They brought in what's-his-name in place of uh, Slovis, and I didn't think he was all that impressive. Retzlaff, 10-27, a couple of picks, 100 yards. I, I mean, they got the running game going a little bit by BYU standards. Uh, they were dead last in the Big 12 coming into the week in rushing yards per game. They actually did okay on the ground uh, with their dual-threat quarterback, which they need more of. Uh, Slovis is not a dual-threat guy. But, man, it was just it was a bad performance. The game was over early. They lost the turn of a battle 3-0. And uh, Iowa State racked up 443 yards in this one, 234 on the ground. So there are major issues at BYU. Um, Iowa State is very much in the thick of the Big 12 title race. And we'll get to this tiebreaker situation coming up here shortly. I promise you we're going to do that. Then last but not least, uh, Cincinnati and Houston, two of the newcomers. You know, uh, this game for me, Cincinnati wins it 24-14. So good on them. First Big 12 win for the Bearcats. Congratulations, Cincinnati fans. Uh, but Houston, you want to talk about having a just a complete dud of a game after winning an overtime last week at Baylor. This was it for Houston. Uh, no doubt about it. I mean, Donovan Smith throwing three picks you got to be kidding me. I mean, I, that, was, that was brutal. And on top of that, you know, Cincinnati's offense is not exactly potent. But I will say, there's a guy, they're running back, Corey Kiner is a guy who, you know, he's not the best running back in the Big 12 or anything like that. But if he was on a better team, in a better offense, I think we'd be talking more about this guy. They actually have potential for a nice one-two punch next year in the backfield with Kiner and Miles Montgomery. They just need a better offense all around them to make it work because Emory Jones, despite the fact that they got the win, is not the guy um, who's going to win you a lot of Big 12 games. That's just not who he is. But for Cincinnati, uh, you know, you saw him do a very good job on the defensive side of the ball as well, taking care of a Houston offense that had played, you know, Pretty good football most of the season. Hit or miss, depending on the week. I mean, they get shut out by Kansas State 41-0. But they can put points on the board. We know that much. So it's one of those things where you're looking at it and you're saying to yourself, okay, um, Cincinnati's getting a win. Good on them. They needed that one. They had to get that monkey off their back. But there is still a ways to go for both of these teams. And Houston fans, I love you guys. 
But boy, that was a weak, weak performance. The stands were dead. Nobody was at the game. I know the team's not any good, but come on, first year in the Big 12, you got to show us a little something here. Let's go. Get behind that team. I mean, that was a, a really pathetic display from the Houston fans on Saturday night. I know it's Cincinnati. I know neither team's all that good, but what are you doing? Going to a Rockets game or something? I mean, you know, let's go. Yeesh. All right. Now let's get to the, to the tiebreaker craziness in the Big 12. Let me just start off with this. I don't get it. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I understand it because I have seen a lot of reputable people dispute each other on this. So I'm going to do some digging. I'm going to reach out to the league this week and try to get an understanding of it because here's how the tiebreaker situation reads in the Big 12. All right? And right now, just to hit the reset button, Texas is 6-1 and one in first place. And then you have a four-way tie for second place in the Big 12. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Kansas State. Here's what the conference rules read when it comes to tiebreakers. In the event of a tie between more than two teams, the following procedures will be used. After one team has an advantage and is seeded, all remaining teams in the multiple-team tiebreaker will repeat the multiple-team tiebreaking procedure. If at any point the multiple-team tie is reduced to two teams, the two-team tie-breaking procedure rule will be applied, which is head-to-head. If not, every tied team has to play each other. Go to step two. So you're already a little confused, all right? But basically what that means is head-to-head doesn't matter if more than two teams are tied. That's how I read that. Now, step two. Step two is confusing as well. Record against the next highest placed common opponent in the standings. Based on a record in all games played within the conference, proceeding through the standings. Now, many of you have sent me this website, and I've looked at it. This website is, let me pull it up here. It's like some complex, convoluted website. Bball.notnothing.net. It's a simulation for the Big 12. I put it up on my Twitter page, at heartland underscore cs. But I think we should stop sending this around because when you go into this simulation and, you know, it's not somebody who is associated or affiliated with the Big 12. The guy or gal who is doing this simulator essentially says that he doesn't understand the tiebreaker rules. He's doing his simulation based on his interpretation of the tiebreaker rules, not from what he is certain is the case. So a simulation is based on his reading into the Big 12 tiebreaker rules. So that's being sent around, and I'm not going to take that as gospel. I'm not. But what I do know is this much. In a multi-way tie, head-to-head does not matter. So if we end up in a situation where four Big 12 teams end up 6-2, and two, which is possible, or I should say, uh, seven and two in league play, which is possible. We have got to get clarity from the Big 12 on what the heck is going on here because nobody really understands it. 
And there's a lot of different interpretations in to the Big 12 and its standings. It used to be super easy, right? Ten teams, round robin. Uh, like, it was very simple to understand. That's not the case anymore. Now that you got 14 teams in there and you're not playing around Robin. But you will get total chaos. Well, you're going to get chaos no matter what. Even if Texas wins out, the chaos is likely to be for who joins Texas at the Big 12 title game. What I do know is this much. Oklahoma State no longer controls its own destiny. It's not like if Oklahoma State wins out, they're in. That's not necessarily true. Because then if Iowa State wins out and Iowa State is playing Texas and then Kansas State, you got a conversation there. Iowa State has beaten Oklahoma State. So either way, it's not that I'm expecting four teams to be 7-2 and two in the Big 12, which is possible, by the way. Texas could finish 7-2. and two. Kansas State could finish 7-2. and two. You could have then Oklahoma finishing 7-2. and two. And Oklahoma State could also finish up 7-2. and two. It's entirely possible that that happens. And then, you know, you could also have Iowa State, of course, in the mix at 7-2. and two Because they're sitting right there at 5-2 and two right now. Let's say they went out. Well, I guess they can't. Them and Kansas State cannot both be 7-2 and two in league play because they're playing each other in the last game of the regular season. But you could have four teams finishing 7-2. and two. It won't happen with Iowa State and Kansas State. But it is going to be completely chaotic the next couple of weeks. I love this. Andrew, I'm with you, buddy, on Facebook Live. Have them play rocks, paper, scissor. Sign me up for that. I'm on board with that. But the Big 12 tiebreaker rules are just completely bizarre. J-Mac, it gets weird because of unbalanced schedules because you don't have true round robins in three-way ties necessarily. That's absolutely right. You don't. So uh, this is very, very bizarre. Lot says here, you're skipping the commas. Head-to-head applies unless all three teams have played each other. Head-to-head applies unless all three teams have played each other. All right, we'll have to go back look at that, break it all down, and see how it plays out. Um, It's just, it's bizarre. It is really weird. we got to get clarity on it this week and figure out what exactly is going on in this league because the next two weeks are going to be absolutely wild. And I'm here for it, by the way. I'm here for it. I'm Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports. Thank you guys for being a part of the show. We so appreciate you being here. Uh, hit that thumbs up on YouTube, subscribe to the channel. And of course on the podcast, you want this Heartland College Sports Koozie, leave a five-star rating and review. I think we've got, let me see here real quick. We got five, 700 and two, 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 734 ratings on iTunes. Can we get to 750 by Thanksgiving? That's 16 of you. We have thousands of you listening. Can you be the one that hits five stars? And if you want the koozie, leave a rating, review, and subscribe. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports. You guys have a great rest of your weekend. Subscribe to the channel. We've got a lot of content that's going to be coming your way this week. We're going to figure out the tiebreakers. And also, jump on our forums page. They're free. We're in there talking about the tiebreaker, the entire staff, a lot of other Big 12 fans. And it's separate from all the dopey trolling going on on social media. So sign up for the forums. They're free. We don't ask anything of you. We just want to interact with you. 
and hang out and have a good time. So join the forums. We'd love to see you there and uh, continue to build up this Big 12 community at Heartland College Sports. You guys have a great rest of the day. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.